You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. What's up, Grace, man? I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for choosing Grace to worship this weekend. Whether you're in the venue, auditorium, whether you're in, your ca- in the cafe, we're super excited you're here. You know, we're continuing on in our, our series, When Pigs Fly, and we're exploring the eight miracles in the Gospel of John that Jesus did, and, and we've worked through things like him healing people. Multiple times we've seen him heal people. We've seen him turn water into wine, and last week we watched him multiply five loaves and two fish to to feed 5,000 people, to feed 5,000 people. We're going to be in uh, Psalms 107 in John chapter 6 this week, so if you want to uh, turn there, we've got uh, our ushers have Bibles, pens, and message notes, you can get that stuff online also at visitgracechurch.com slash live, or you can download our Grace Church app. So the interesting thing about, about this story, we're going through Jesus walks on water. And, and last week we worked through Jesus feeds the 5,000. And, and right in the middle of Jesus feeds the 5,000, you've got him walking on water, right? So he, he feeds these 5,000 people, he walks on water, and then he explains what the bread was about and how he was the bread of life. So it's, it, is, it is a straight up weird story. I mean, it's weird. Okay, we'll get to why it's weird here, here in just a second, but first we're going to pray and then we'll jump right into John chapter 6. So let's pray. God, I just pray that you would use this time to glorify yourself, to bring honor and, and majesty and praise to yourself because you deserve it, because you're God. I pray that you would reveal yourself. I pray that we would focus on your word and we would learn something and we would see that you are God. God, bless our time together. We love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. So John chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So there was a storm. There was this gigantic storm. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Say what? They saw, they saw him walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. Other Gospels, it says in, in verse 20, immediately, when they were afraid, immediately, Jesus says, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly, which means they intended, they wanted, they loved, they delighted, they had pleasure, and they desired for Jesus to come in the boat. They said willingly, then willingly they received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So this, is, this story is actually in three of the Gospels, and there's a couple details. We always have to have the details. And there's a few details, Mark chapter 6, verse 51, we, we've got to know. And it says, then he went up into the boat when they delighted in having him in the boat. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and be in marveled. Beyond measure, they were so surprised. The wind ceased 
And then there's this weird verse in verse 52 where it says, for they had not understood about the loaves. Like, he just, he just walked on water. You don't understand about the loaves? That doesn't even seem like there's a, a connection. That's important. Remember that. And Matthew 14, says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Listen, this story is weird for a few different reasons. One, Jesus walks on water. That's weird. Two, the storm is calmed when he gets in the boat. When he gets in the boat, it ceases. And then if you didn't catch in verse 21 of John chapter 6, they were automatically transported to land, the place that they were trying to get going to. So, man, that, that is weird. That is odd. But, but here's the deal. You know what this story is really about? You know what this whole series is about? This whole series is about answering two questions. One, who is this Jesus? Like, who is he? And what does he actually do in our lives? What, is, what does he really do? So this is what we've got here. We've got Jesus. He's got 5,000 people following him everywhere he goes. He performs miracles. He feeds the 5,000 with the, the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. And the disciples don't believe it. The disciples don't believe it. Remember, it's, it's not about the miracles. He was not just providing food to provide food. He was trying to reveal himself as God. Not, not just a God, but the one true God. He was trying to reveal himself through the feeding of the 5,000. And then it, it comes to this where he walks on water and it says, then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed. We just read this. And in themselves beyond measure, they marveled for they did not understand about the loaves because their heart was hardened. You think back to the story. He provides all this food for this multitude And he does it because he has compassion on them. He has love for them. He has care for them. Remember the disciples were hard because they said, get that multitude out of here. Send them away. I want my Jesus time. I don't want, he's famous, man. I want time with him. I don't want this multitude to have time with him. But they were amazed. But then they get to the point where they don't realize he's God. They didn't realize he was God when he, he fed the 5,000. They don't realize that he's God when he multiplies all this. But then they realize Jesus is God when he walks on water. I know that because it says it right here. Matthew fourteen thirty three says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him. They came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. You know what worship means right here? Worship right here means it's just like a dog standing at its master's feet, licking its hand. They were fawning over Jesus. They were adoring him. They were loving him. That's why they delighted and desired and wanted him to jump in that boat. Because they're saying, Jesus is God. He, he's God. He is truly God. He's truly the good news. He's truly bringing salvation. They adored him. You ever, you ever adored Jesus that way? 
Do you, you ever just fawn over Jesus? You ever just adore him and you love him? You ever during a worship service just throw your hands in the air like you just don't care? And you don't care where anybody who's watching, whatever they're doing, you're just saying, you know, I'm totally engaged. I'm totally engaged in who Jesus is. I'm totally engaged in worship and he deserves it. And I want to adore him and fawn over him and love him and care for him and just worship him and bring him majesty and praise and glory and honor. You ever just do that? Or do we just say, no, yeah, he's just, just, oh, yeah, he's just God. He's just a prophet. You know, I lay down my life. I'm singing in my heart, right? I lay down my life. No, like, when's the last time you just fawned over him? The second question we're trying to answer is, what does he actually do in our lives? What does he actually do? You look at it, and they didn't believe him when he fed the 5,000, but he's trying to reveal himself. And so they don't believe, and in their doubt, in their unbelief, they're not believing Jesus is God when he's providing this food to these 5,000 from five loaves and two fish, remember? Five loaves, they forget that he is God. And then Jesus says, you know what, even in your unbelief, even in your doubt, you know what? I'm going to reveal myself to you again. And I'm going to reveal myself to you again and again and again. Isn't that awesome that we have a God? Even in our doubt, even in our unbelief, he says, you know what? I'm God and I'm going to reveal myself to you over and over and over. Listen, this whole series is not about the miracle. It's not about the bread. It's not about the wine. It's not about him walking on water. It's about him It's not about what he's done. It's about he is God. He is God. It it reminds me of this quote by C.H. Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon was uh, the prince of preachers is what they call him. He's the most famous pastor, preacher ever. In in fact, he looks a lot like somebody I know. He looks like Russell. I, I don't know if Russell's trying to look like him or C.H. Spurgeon's trying to look like Russell. I don't, I don't know which one, but, but <laughs> I, Russell really wants... This is like a super compliment to Russell, by the way. So just call him Charles when, when, uh, when you walk out and see him. So great. Russell's awesome. But, but what C.H. Spurgeon said, and Russell probably quoted him too, but, but what, what, he, what he says is just... Do you, do you know how you defend a lion? Do you know how you defend a lion? You just let it out of its cage. So all that doubt, all that unbelief, you know what? Jesus has been doing this thing for a long, long time, and he's not afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid of your unbelief. He's not even afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of you even mocking him. He says, you know what? Unleash me on that doubt. Unleash me on that unbelief because I will take it and I will eat it and I will destroy it just like a roaring lion. I will take it. Listen, Jesus has been revealing himself for such a long time. He is a revelation. He is a revelation. A revelation is a surprisingly unknown fact especially one that's made in a, a dramatic way, especially in our suffering. He, he is revealing himself. See if you can see this connection in this story, the, the connection with Jesus in the boat and then this psalm. So Psalms 107, if you want to turn there, Psalms 107 verse 21. It says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness 
and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, did you catch that? Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Do you think they saw his works? Do you think they saw his wonders upon the face of the deep? For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. The waves mount up to the heavens. They, the waves, go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro like a uh, staggering drunken man. And they are at their wits end. Listen, the disciples in this, they're at their wits end. They've been rowing for hours all night just to go three or four miles. They are at their wits end. Their souls are melting because of trouble. They're trying to be obedient to Jesus by going to the other side. He's the one that actually sends them. And they're just not getting anywhere. They're struggling. Then, verse 28, it says, Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So He guides them to their desired haven. Their desired protected place. Then, this is so sweet, just like he started verse 21, he starts verse 31. The same verse, he says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Then you skip down to verse 43, it says, Whoever is wise... Whoever is wise will observe these things. So they'll look at these things. If you're wise, you'll observe these things and they will understand. So we can look at this story and we can understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Loving kindness, the favor, the mercy, the beauty, the pity of the Lord. Listen, you can look at this story of the disciples in the boat and you can see his loving kindness, his mercy, his beauty. His favor. Listen, this psalm was written a thousand years. A thousand years before they get in this boat. A thousand years. This is what the whole story is about. It's about the love and kindness. Right? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. But the whole story is about His loving kindness. It's about Him revealing Himself as God again. It's Him revealing Himself as the good news again. And then He comforts them. Then... He willingly jumps into that boat and they desirously, they want him in the boat when they're going through this obstacle. This theologian, Dwight Pentecost, said this incident, the one about them being in the boat, this incident was designed to reveal to these men that obedience to Jesus, obedience to Christ, does not remove all the obstacles. When you're being obedient, they were being obedient, it doesn't remove all the obstacles. When the obstacles come, even though the disciples do their utmost, they can't overcome themselves. But Christ, but Christ is cognizant of all the difficulties. He is present in 
his own. He's present in people's problems. He is there. He is present with people that are his followers. He is the incarnation. That's one of those Christianese words that we use in church when nobody really knows. What does incarnation really mean? Right? Here's what incarnation. It's just like that burrito, that carne asada burrito. It's a burrito with meat. It's Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am In the flesh, I am with you in your distresses, in your struggles, in your difficulties. I am with you. Just like that carne asada burrito, right? With meat. It has meat in it. He's saying, I want to be with you in the flesh. I want to go with you through your distresses and your struggles and your your hardships. Read, my wife shared a verse with me this week, Isaiah 53 verse 4. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. He's borne our griefs. He's borne our sickness, our calamity, our loss, our affliction, our pain, our anguish, our distresses. He's carried that stuff. He's carried that. The interesting thing about the word affliction is that it's found in two forms. One, one form, it's called a, a neutered word, meaning it's non-gender specific. In the other form, the only other time it's found, it's found in the feminine form, just proving that more affliction happens because of women than anybody else, right? Or maybe not. Maybe you guys experience more affliction because you have to deal with us, right, with the guys. But here's the deal. That was just a joke, right? It's just a joke, all right? Guys, don't like, don't, just don't say anything about that at lunch, all right? Just like, just don't say anything about that. But, but he, here's the deal. He's borne our grief. He has borne our sickness, our calamity, our loss, our anguish. Think about the deepest grief you've ever had. Think about what makes, just like in verse 26, what makes your souls melt? What causes you distress? What caused it? What storm are you in? What is your deepest grief that's causing your soul to melt and for you to be at your wit's end? Do you have it? Now I think of uh, our, our two, we had two, we've had four uh, foster kids through our home. We had two boys. We had them for about a week and uh, they were just wild. I mean, wild, crazy. Um, they, we, we got punched, we got spit on, we got bit, and you guys are going to make fun of me about this, but we just had bought, we didn't have a TV for like seven years, and we bought this TV, this gigantic 19-inch TV. <laughs> bought this 19-inch TV, it's the only TV we had, I know we're weird, you guys, it's, it's uh, already a known fact that we're weird, and we had this TV, and you know what distressed me is those kids kicked my new TV And it had a built-in DVD player. Oh, yeah. Built-in DVD player. And the DVD player did not work correctly after they kicked it. But you know what really distressed me? Is those kids got taken into care because the mom's boyfriend got a glass bottle and hit the two-year-old in the face so he had a black eye. And what I found out is they were called something called behavioral. Which means that the foster parents, us needed special training to actually have these kids because we couldn't deal with them. And then I had to make the distressing phone call of, hey, we can't do this. Like, we, we can't do it. 
We wanted to show love and care and compassion to these kids, and we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. You know, this week, um, I bickered with my wife for about three days. I don't know. I know you guys are so spiritual that you don't ever really bicker with your spouse. Like, I know you guys are just so spiritual, so connected with our Savior that you don't really engage in bickering. But bickering is one of those funny words. Uh, It's literally a fight about something that doesn't matter. So three days I'm fighting with my wife about stuff that does not matter. I am. I'm fighting with her. She's not fighting with me. She's amazing. But you know what? I go, I'm going to show her. I'm going to sleep on the couch. Bad decision. Bad, terrible decision, man. But I was in distress because I was making a mountain out of this tiny little molehill that didn't even matter. True story. I had like I've had multiple people go, did you really sleep on the couch? Why, yes, I did. Uh, and public apologies always help a little bit, right? So, but, but, but here's the deal. He is present in our distresses. He is, he is present. He wants to be in them. You start thinking through, you know, uh, the other thing, sometimes I'm distressed about my kids. I'm stressed out about my, okay, that's not true either. I am stressed out about my kids all the time because I'm like, are they making the right decisions? Am I disciplining them too much? Am I disciplining them enough? Am I not disciplining them? Are they, do they have friends? Why are they making that decision? Why are they making that decision? Oh my gosh, I know what I struggle with. I can't imagine what they're going to struggle with. Maybe you're a student about to go back to school thinking, am I going to make friends there? Am I going to meet anybody new? Am I going to make the grade? Am I going to make the team? Maybe you are at a job and you're thinking, man, I need a raise. Man, I wonder if I'm going to get a promotion. I wonder if I'm going to buy that new house. I wonder if I'm going to buy that new car. I wonder if I'm in so much distress because I need to download that Pokemon Go app. Here's the deal. He, he understands our grief. He understands our sorrows. And check out the reminder in Psalms 107. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. That's when he says, whoever is wise, they will understand the loving kindness. The loving kindness of the Lord. We will understand that if we just observe the storms that he's put us in. Right, the great cliche of the storms of this life. But they're true. We have these storms and we go through them and then we have to answer the question, what does Jesus actually do in our lives? It reminded me of this verse, John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me, except through me. I can't make it to the Father the way. Right? He is the way. And hopefully there's a body of believers that are, that are all going the same way and it's towards Jesus. So he's provided us this whole community to suffer with one another. When we're going through the storms of this life, he's saying, here, I've given you each other the way, the community. You're all going the same way so you can comfort one another. And then you've got him saying, I am the truth. That's why we have John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, and the, uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is truth, and he's given us a book to have truth, and then he says, comfort one another with these words, comfort one another with these words, comfort one another with these words. So he's given us a body of believers to comfort one another, and then he's given us his word to comfort one another, and then he says, I am the life. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, the Spirit 
gives life. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? So he's given us the church to comfort one another. He's given us his word to comfort one another. And then he says, you know what? If that's not enough, I'm going to give you my spirit. It's actually going to live inside of you. And it's going to give you life. And in fact, I'm going to call it by a different name. And another name for the spirit of God is the comforter. So I'm going to give you all these things. This is what I'm going to do in your life. I'm actually going to give myself. So where is Jesus in doubt and suffering? He's in all of that. He's in all of it saying, I want to comfort you. I want to love you. I want to care for you. I want to be with you. Who are you inviting into your boat? Right? The community. You need Jesus in your boat. And you need one another in your boat. He didn't just give us this life to go by ourselves and come to church alone and, and leave alone. and right There's a community of believers that are all going the same way because we need each other because sometimes this life just really stinks. Sometimes it stinks and if you're not going through affliction and suffering, just wait a day or two because it, it's going to happen. Where is Jesus in doubt and suffering? He, he is pre- present. He's revealing himself. And if we would just open our eyes and see him, and then as the scripture says, yield to him. As the Bible says, we would yield to him. So yielding is translated two, two different ways. One way it's translated as convincing. I have to convince myself sometimes. When I'm going through the storms and the struggles and the affliction and all that, I have to convince myself, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus is God. He he is God. Oh, wait, wait, he is next to me. That's the way it's translated the other ways. It's literally standing beside. So just like when you're driving somewhere and you see that upside down triangular sign that says yield, right? You're, you're, You're actually supposed to slow down. You're supposed to slow down on the yield when you're going. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to slow down and you're supposed to look to see where the uh, incoming, oncoming traffic is. You're supposed to slow down. You're supposed to look down the pike and you're supposed to say, oh, should I go yet? It's the same thing with the Spirit of God. You're supposed to slow down and look to Him and say, are you here? Sometimes I'm supposed to say, God, I'm convinced that you're God, even in my suffering, even in the junk that I'm in, even in the affliction, even the storm that I'm in, I'm going to yield myself to you. I'm going to convince myself that you're God. And not only you God, but just like he was with the disciples, he wants to be with them and he wants to reveal himself in suffering. That's why he gives us this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, for our light affliction. It literally means his, the light anguish. That doesn't fit together, does it? Light anguish? Like, is that even possible? Light anguish? But he says, in, listen, listen, for our light anguish, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. But it is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. This exceeding weight of glory, this eternal weight of glory, it's Jesus and we get him. 
Not we get Him in our brains. We get to have Him. He's given Himself to us to engage with us, to to walk with us through the suffering of this life. We get Him. We get Jesus. Like, I actually have Him. He lives inside of me. And I in Him. And I'm with Him. I get Him. And if that doesn't excite you as a Christian, like, like check your pulse. Are you even a follower of Jesus? If you're not excited about who He is and what He's done and how He wants to be present in our suffering and how He's given us this community of believers and how He's left His Word and His Spirit and He just wants to be with us. And then we have Psalms 107 verse 31 says, Oh, that men would give thanks. Oh, that men would give thanks to the goodness for His goodness and for His wonderful works. Even through the junk of this life, He says, I'm still good. Even when I'm going through crap, I am still good. I still love you. I still care for you. In fact, I still want to be with you. I still want to be with you. He's given us all these things, a community of believers to be together, to suffer together. Are we believing that Jesus is God? Are we believing that He's God? Are we believing that He's actually trying to reveal Himself to us? I often forget. That's why I had to sleep on the couch because I forgot that He's trying to reveal Himself. Even in the storms, even in the storms, He is good. We have people, we have Jesus. So here, here's the two questions I want to end with. Is Jesus God? Is He God? And how is He revealing Himself to you? How is He revealing Himself to you? Those are the two questions that you also have to remember Listen, we have this whole group of body of believers. Who is in your boat? Who's in your boat with you? Who are you inviting in? Who are you being vulnerable enough with to say, hey, I slept on the couch last night? Who are you vulnerable with that you're saying, man, I am struggling. I'm struggling through this life and I need somebody just to encourage me. Just to remind me that Jesus is God. Oh yeah, He loves you so much. He cares for you so much. Right. Remember the good news because the good news is good today and tomorrow and the next day. The good news of what Jesus has done. You know what? He's paid for your sin. He's paid for your, your shame. He's paid for all of your junk. He's paid for it and He accepts you. He accepts you and you should willingly, desirously, intending, wanting, loving for Him to be in the boat with you. So is Jesus God And what is He doing to reveal Himself to you? Look around. What is He doing? Let's pray. God, thank You for revealing Yourself. Thank You for who You are and, and Your deep love for one another. And God, thank You for giving us this church. Thank you for giving yourself your word. I pray that we would engage in those things. God, I pray I would engage in those things and and remember that you're God. 
and that you are good news today, just like the day that I gave my life to you. You're still good news. You've still cleansed all of my sin. You've still cleansed all of my unrighteousness. You're so sweet to us, God. I just thank you for this time. I pray that you would get glory and honor and praise from it. We love you. pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.